Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. He's back and never better than before. Never, ever better. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's show, we've got a pipe parts with uh, Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is uh, journeyman pipe smoker Jason Lynn. And uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And as uh, just a quick reminder, as this show goes out, uh, you've got four days to get registered for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show to be entered to win uh, three nights free that weekend in the hotel. So yeah, get those in, bef- you know, get registered and booked and everything before July 1st. And uh, two, two people are going to win three nights free. So get that done. Uh, JDRF auction items. I'm uh, getting them all boxed up and getting uh, in contact with Steve Fallon, and I will let you know exactly when they are going up onto auction. I'm assuming probably in about uh, 14 days, 12 days would be uh, and coming up, so middle of July. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, you know what? I you know what I realized? I forgot that how much I like um, tea this time of the year because now it's summertime. It's hot. I've had my uh, had my tins of Virginia open for a week or two now, and I forgot how much I enjoy in the afternoon a uh, a tea with you know with a pipe, and uh, so I pulled out some tea that I'd forgotten about and have been goofing around with that in the afternoon with a pipe, and man, I'll tell you that's yeah just the summertime, the mornings with my Virginias, and then the afternoons with a cup of tea instead of maybe one cup of coffee um yeah it's nice it's nice that it's warm and i get to do that again so a little variety all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go there's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine missouri meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack inspect and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. Oh 
we are back on the Pipes <coughs> Magazine radio show, and joining us for an Ask the Pipe Maker segment is um, the CEO, COO, uh, Chief Information Officer, the Marketing Officer, the Photography, the Editing Officer, the uh, Cleanup, uh, Janitorial, and uh, everything else of J. Allen Pipes. It's uh, Jeff Grasick. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Oh, well, thank you, Brian. And I, I can't even believe I'm able to make it here with all those hats on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're recording it by, via Zoom, and there's like 17 Jeff, little Jeff screens and one of me. Um, this question, We're all speaking in unison. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys are organized. Uh, this question starts off with a, with a line I like. It says, hi, Brian. Let's hear it. Yeah, it says, hi, Brian. Thanks again for doing such a great job on this show. All right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> wow. Uh, have they listened to it before? Yeah, well, probably. Uh, <laughs> he says, I have a question for Jeff Grasick. I recently heard someone speak about the qualities of an artisan pipe versus a factory pipe. They went on and on about how well the pipe balanced in the mouth. I began to wonder how an artisan pipe maker achieves this balance. Is this totally a matter of touch and feel and experience? Or do some pipe makers actually have an equation of sorts related to the weight of the bowl, the length of the shank and stem, the angle of the bend? I realize that experience is a tremendous asset in making this type of balance a reality, but I'm wondering what the starting points may be. I'd love to hear you and Jeff hem and haw about this a bit. No pun intended. Thanks, Brian. This comes from Chris. So. All right, Chris. Should we do a little bit on bits and try to keep it evenly balanced on balance? Let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, what do you uh, when you're when you're talking about balance of a pipe? What mm -hmm. are you, what do you what are you talking about? So, it can be a couple different things. Uh, one would be visual balance, right? And so that's just how the pipe looks. Does is the the shank to bowl to mouthpiece ratio? Do they make sense together? Does it look like a cohesive pipe, or does it look like a pipe composed of parts? And visual balance is really, really important for how you how you see how you. Um, experience a pipe visually that doesn't necessarily impact the smoking experience of the pipe though the performance of the pipe how it feels in your teeth how it feels in your hand that's a different kind of balance that would be um is is the weight or the mass of the pipe is it evenly distributed throughout so if you have let's say a pencil shank a, a seven inch pencil shanked um apple it can look nice it can look really nice and i would imagine you know we've all seen pipes that are shaped like that that look nice but it has what i call the 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 balance of a ball on a stick that is <laughs> kind of what it is and you know it's it's that's more of a hand holder that's something that any experienced pipe enthusiast can look at and say that i mean that's a going to be a great pipe but it's not going to be a clencher for me Whereas what, and, and sometimes we design pipes around that kind of experience for a smoker. They want to 
to have that uh, that they want a pipe that they can hold in their hand. Other times you want to create a pipe that someone can just clench, can sit and read a book or or do something else and and clench in their teeth. And oftentimes that is achieved by um, you can have a larger pipe, but if it has enough uh, enough of a bend in it, it helps distribute that that mass over your teeth and your lips. Uh, other times it just it's accomplished by having a shorter um, shorter scale pipe. Other times you just have a nicely balanced. Um, of course, you're not really supposed to divide. I'm, here I am defining balance by using the word balance. But uh, if you're if the shank, the proportion of the shank to the bowl is uh, is well done enough, and it's hard to describe it um, in in this kind of medium uh, without showing examples. If it's well enough um, distributed, then it'll be comfortable to hold in your teeth. So the the visual part we're talking about is mm-hmm. I mean that it, now we're getting down to art you know and what what are what do sure. people appreciate what design aesthetics do you like what you know that's that's mm-hmm. all personal perspective um, I you know I like to pick on the those the, you know, the the fad of the week a couple of years ago was those chubby bent uh, the chubby sitter pokers you know it looked like oh right mm-hmm. to me it looked like you took one large round thing and shoved a medium sized round thing into the side of it and just smushed it all together. It's not an aesthetic that mm-hmm. was appealing to me. So visual right. balance, right? The actual physical balance of, of a pipe, um, you know, just keeping in mind what the intention of the pipe is. And I've, I've got two Jay Allen pipes right here in front of me. Both were recent acquisitions as, yeah, as Jeff knows, because I bought them from him. Um, Thank you, Brian. One is bigger, heavier, has a little bit of a bend to it, and it's definitely a pipe that I would not sit and clench all day long. It's more of a hand holder because of the size and the weight of it for mm-hmm. me. The other one, I can park it in my mouth just as I'm doing right now, and I can talk just perfectly fine, and I am re- I am now doing this with the pipe stuck in my mouth. So mm-hmm. it does depend on what the intention of the pipe is. Um, right. Balance also matters about where and how you clench. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So yeah. do you hold the pipe between your front teeth or do you hold it down the side uh, and mostly in your molars? Yeah. And you're distributing that, that mouthpiece weight over more teeth. You can, you can hold a much bigger pipe comfortably that way. And it, and it depends on how jacked up your front teeth are, like somebody that's talking right, <laughs> right. now. Um, yeah, I'm always jealous of, and I love Levon Eric. I, re, I call him my grandfather because he's older than dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love him to death. But he hangs those big Levon Eric pipes right out of the front of his front teeth because that works for him and it's comfortable for him. Mm-hmm. And I could never do that. But that balance is also helped for me really by the construction of the of the stem and i think we've talked in the past before about the flat spot behind the button you know the the half inch Mm -hmm. flattened spot of stem behind the button and then right and then the proper that's your point of contact yeah Mm -hmm. and then the proper height of the button where for me the top portion of the button like you masterfully do all the time the top portion of the button is taller than the bottom portion. The top portion is 
taller than the bottom? Yeah, the top button feels taller than the bottom button on the stem. And it hmm. helps me with hooking in. And I'm trying to show Jeff as we're recording this that you know, there's always to me there's a slight view of this the top of the stem the top button is a little taller a little more pronounced than the bottom button and that helps with me being able to grab the pipe and makes the pipe more balanced in my mouth and jeff's looking well at me if like the top it. is bigger than the bottom uh it certainly wasn't intentional or maybe <laughs> maybe it was or maybe. um but generally generally speaking i wouldn't say that we're um, trying to make one side bigger than the other. Um, but, uh, I mean, that certainly can occur. Um, I, I don't know many pipe makers who are using calipers to, to set their, their button height measurements. Uh, that being said, having the top of the, of the button be tall enough. Some people like really short buttons. And for me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think those people generally are clenching in the side teeth and then having a shorter button is very helpful for them because you don't have the button getting in the way of, uh, because that's going farther back in the teeth, um, and preventing you from comfortably holding the pipe. Um, but having a tall enough button is something that I think is really important because, as you said, it gives you that hook point for your front teeth, um, but it needs to be short enough that you can then comfortably hold it in your back teeth. So it's a bit of a balance trying to, as a pipe maker, I'm trying to make pipes for a general audience, not for Brian or for John or Adam or whomever, you know, that these these pipes are made um, so that they can go on a retailer site and they can sell it to the public. And so it's hard to, to custom make them for when, individuals. When you get a, uh, when you get a bigger pipe, maybe one that's a, you know, a bigger capacity bowl and there's going to be more wood there. Do you make the mm -hmm. stem a little bit bigger than you would if it was a smaller size? Do you add a little more height to the button so that it's, yeah. You know, visually yeah, and no, that's a, functionally more balanced that's a really a really good question um i i am of the school of jody davis with this where jody standardized the sizes of his button the, the basic measurements of the last half inch of his mouthpieces and i do the same thing i do it because i want my customers to know what to expect so the width of the mouthpieces are generally very very close to one another the thickness and height of the buttons are generally very close to one another and the same for the height behind the button so all of your points of contact unless as you point out the pipe is abnormally large if the pipe is abnormally large then yes i will make it slightly thicker because the assumption is they're going to be biting down a little harder on the mouthpiece and I will also make it wider so that there is more material for contact uh, between the teeth so that you're not concentrating yeah. all of all of the mass in one or two spots. Well, and it also makes it look better, too, because if you've got a bigger bowl, you're in the, with you put a, a little tiny, tiny mouthpiece. Yeah, mm -hmm. look like a, you know, look like a big bodybuilder with a little tiny head. So. All right, Jeff. I, I, <laughs> I, I think we've uh, I think we've balanced that answer fairly well. Mm, dad jokes. Well done. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming back on. <laughs> thanks for having me, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. 
Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new, innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is one of those one of those mid-range or journeymen, or uh, you, know, you got over the hump, you're no longer a newbie pipe smokers, but Jason Lynn, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Uh, long-time listener of the show. And you still agreed to come on the show, which is uh, kind of brave of you. <laughs> Crazy me. Yeah. All right, so let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up? Uh, what'd you be one when you wanted to? What'd you be? What'd you want to be when you grew up? And have you grown up? Uh, all good questions. I grew up in the Chicago area, um, just outside of Chicago, one of the collar counties uh, out there, and uh, spent the uh, first uh, eighteen years of my life there. Went to undergraduate uh, down at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, and then uh, moved out to Washington D.C. And uh, I didn't really have any, you know, strong desires to be anything uh, when I grew up until uh, around high school, college. Uh, that time I decided I wanted to go to Washington, be a lobbyist of all things, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ended up doing that. And uh, been been out here for uh, about 25 years uh, lobbying, working wow. on Capitol Hill. Wow. So do you have your favorite escort agency that you, I mean, um do you have an area of expertise that you lobby in? I'm sorry. I guess we can't talk about some of that stuff. No comment. That's right. Okay. Very good. Um, I do know how the term lobbyist started. Would you like to educate the public on how the term lobbyist started? Cause I know it. And if you lie, I'll tell the truth. Well, there's the, the old, uh, the old adage about, uh, the folks in the lobby itself. Is that the one you're referring to? Yeah. Where the, uh, People trying to influence legislation, hanging out in the lobby outside of the the different chambers, um, and uh, that was the the genesis of the term. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have an area that you specialize in? Because I do know for a fact that there are people that specialize in in you know lobbying for different industries and different areas of interest. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've you know done it for a few different industries and and, and companies over the years um, after I left Capitol Hill. But primarily, I focus on energy, uh, environment, and transportation infrastructure policy. So those are the three broad areas that I spend have spent my time working on. Those are all just really sexy. Wow. They, they can be. They can <laughs> be, you know. We want more bridges. No, we want wind power. Okay. Those yeah. are two big issues. Yeah. All right, so enough of the politics. Um, when did pipe smoking come into your life officially? Officially about, well, pipe smoking about 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, my father smoked a pipe, although it was before I was born. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about it. And a pastor at a church that I attended growing up smoked a pipe. So, you know, I had some some 
very vague familiarity with it. Um, uh, I always liked tobacco. Um, I was a cigarette smoker, smoked cigars, um, and just loved tobacco. And it was about 10 years ago I decided I was going to give the pipe a try. Um, You know, I thought it would be something different. And uh, so I went down uh, to a a local store in D.C. and picked uh, picked up my first pipe. And uh, it was a seven alley and I still have it and smoke it occasionally. And uh, I've been up and down ever since. Now, did you go to Georgetown Tobacco or Draper's? I went to Draper's. Draper's was right by my office at the time. And um, that's where I went. And I used to go down there occasionally anyway and decided, you know, let's go ahead and let's give the pipe a try. So pick one up. I mean, it's literally within spitting distance of the White House. So. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to those young kids out in Georgetown. That's right. Exactly. So what was your, what was the experience of going in and, and shopping for your first pipe? Did they, did they help you or give you guidance or did they just say, all right, yeah, go and here's your money. Give us your money. There was, there was, there was some guidance. You know, I, I, I wanted a bent pipe. I knew that. Um, and, uh, other than that, I didn't really know. Um, I certainly overpaid for it, but, um, you know, it was, uh, they gave me some advice on what to look for and showed me a bunch of different examples. Uh, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to get a basket pipe. I thought I would stick with it and, uh, wanted to get something a little nicer and, uh, you know, they, they were helpful. They were, they were a great group of guys down there and, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, ended up being a good purchase. Did you then start? practicing different packing techniques or in different styles and and did, did you hit the internet and go oh wait there's a whole bunch more you know i didn't at that time um i just was figuring it out for myself and uh, you know a couple guys at the shop helping me out a little bit um i was trying different stuff mostly the t- tobaccos i was was buying was were from them no tin tobaccos just what they had in the shop and I would try, uh, you know, pick up an ounce here, an ounce there, and experiment it, and um, you know, eventually got it. Um, I didn't smoke all that often, um, you know, for the first number of years. I still smoke cigars occasionally, but when I'd get together with some guys and the cigars would come out, I'd take out my pipe occasionally, and um, you know, through trial and error, I I got it down. Is uh, is Shelley's back room? Is that still a cigar friendly smoking establishment bar? Uh, you know, I believe it is. I haven't been there in years, okay. but I believe it is. Yep. Yeah, because I think everybody wanted. If you wanted cigars afterwards, you'd go over there and yeah. Yep. Now I'm having Absolutely. having flashbacks of uh, of, <laughs> of some places, so I'll stop that. Um, so is pipe is, is pipe smoking now kind of a daily thing or is it still just the occasional? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I smoke daily now. Um, and, uh, it was probably about five years ago that I started to smoke more often. As I said, it was, you know, an occasional thing, um, that I would take out the pipe, but, um, about five years ago, my, my father was, was, uh, uh, battling cancer and I used to go back and, and help my mom out and try to take care of him when he was in hospice and uh, decided one time uh, when I was going back there for a, a long weekend that I would take a pipe along with me and, uh, you know, kind of wind down with it at the end of the day. And I started uh, 
you know, doing that in the evenings and uh, just found it incredibly relaxing and uh, really kind of helped to put the day in perspective. And uh, from that point on, I started smoking much more often. And as I said, now I, I smoke every day, usually two, three bowls. And and I would assume working from home, that makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, I do. I work from home on Mondays and Fridays, and so um, that does make it a lot easier. Um, uh, you can get that extra bowl in, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes the late afternoon, evening pipe doesn't work out for itself. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that, that helps. Now, how many pipes are we up to in our rotation now? And keep in mind, nobody's listening, so we won't tell them family <laughs> secrets yeah i'm uh i'm at 59 about about 59 um and uh you know i've gone through like like a lot of the pipe smokers that uh, you've had on your show you know i'm constantly updating and curating that and um changes in in preference and style but uh but that's about where i am right now do you have different different sizes and shapes and finishes or are you kind of narrow in one slot of style of pipe? No, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map. I don't really collect anything specific. Um, the pipes that I buy and the pipes that I keep are ones that I either think I'd like to smoke or enjoy smoking. Um, you know, my, my first love was always the, the classic English pipes. Mm -hmm. And I do have a number of those. Um, but, uh, it's kind of all over the map, you know, some, some Danish, uh, makers, um, a, a number of Italian pipes, um, American carvers as well, uh, Canadian. Um, so, you know, the, the styles vary somewhat, but traditional shapes are typically what's in my collection. I've got a few different things that are a little bit out of the ordinary for me, but, um, I tend to stick to traditional shapes, although different interpretations of those shapes. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll have, uh, we'll have more with, uh, Jason and, uh, and I promise no political lobbyist stuff, but, uh, we'll talk more pipes and tobaccos. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Jason Lynn. And uh, all right, so different, varied styles. Is there something in particular that appeals to you about pipes that that, that are, you know that makes you pick out a pipe, or 
I guess what I'm asking is, you know, what, what makes you go, Ooh, I want to buy that one. You know, shaping is probably the most important thing for me. Um, you know, the lines of a pipe, um, the shape itself, um, you know, probably more important than finish. You know, I have smooth pipes and sandblasted and rusticated. Um, but you know, the shaping that the artisan or the, the factory does on a pipe is probably the first thing that attracts me to it. Um, and then, you know, how's the finish? Uh, is it a good blast? Is it, you know, is it deep? Is it shallow? Um, how's the grain orientation? Those sorts of things probably are secondary to the shaping for me. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, how's your tobacco journey been? Have you moved all around the place or, or are you kind of stuck in one spot like I am? <laughs> I've moved around a fair amount um, over the years. It, I, I did smoke a lot, a lot of Kia blends. Uh, you know, originally when I started uh, really getting into the the hobby, um, a lot of Kia was probably three quarters of the blends I smoked regularly. But I don't smoke much Latakia anymore. It's mostly uh, Virginia-based blends, either straight Virginias, Vapors. Um, I do love dark-fired Kentucky. Um, so a little bit of everything, but uh, and you and you're still you still haven't found just one one blend that really just does it for you. No, I mean, I, I, I there's just so much variety out there. Um, you know, I, I do smoke, uh, usually with my morning coffee. Um, I, I do have Irish flake, uh, just about every morning, uh, with my coffee. Um, it just pairs really well for me. I like it in the morning, but, uh, after that, all bets are off. <laughs> have you started, uh, aging and cellaring some blends and playing in that game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, just about everything that I enjoy smoking, um to one degree or another i've been cellaring um started that probably three to four years three years ago probably uh with a you know a real eye toward long-term cellaring um i would always order an extra tin or two of something that i liked and throw it back there but now i i, I try not to dig into that cellar at all and it's it's gotten <laughs> it's gotten a little more substantial than my wife would like but uh we, we keep at it <laughs> Tell her it's an it's an investment in the future, dear. Exactly what I say. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It is. Uh, have you chased after already you know, vintage tobaccos and gone on the gone on the expensive buying route yet? Not too much. Um, occasionally, you know, pipe suds got something up there that uh, that I I just feel like I have to have. I'll I'll make a purchase or. Bought a couple of nice, more expensive tins at the Chicago show this past year, um, but uh, not to any great degree. I primarily have just been cellaring the stuff that I like to smoke, um, you know, and I haven't been chasing a lot that I am not familiar with uh, or, or uh, you know, taking a gamble on something that uh, I don't, I haven't tried or so it's primarily what I like to smoke, and I I sell her that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said gamble on it, and you're right because if it's if it's a vintage blend that you have no experience with, you're going to go off of reviews, and those reviews may not be your taste or style. That's exactly right, and I do have. There's a couple of reviewers on um, 
you know, tobacco reviews, who's over, over the course of the last number of years, I, you know, I can go to those guys and see what they've said. Um, and that gives me, because I'm familiar with the, the reviews, many of the tobaccos that they've reviewed, I've smoked, I, I, I got a sense of what they're saying. And, and so I, I trust what they articulate. And, um, so I'll venture out on some tobaccos based on, on some of that. All right. And I do want to, I, I do have a question for you about the political system, better yeah. known as, uh, the, the world you work in. Uh, because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the younger listeners will be, it seems like to me, there's a lot of younger people that are more interested in getting into public service and want to making and making a change. Um, how, how does one become a lobbyist? And then I guess, does it help if you're passionate about the thing that you're lobbying for? Well, to answer your first question, I think one of the, the the best advice I could give somebody would who would want who would want to do this as a profession uh, would be to to go work on Capitol Hill. Uh, that's what I did right out of you know undergrad. Um, go up there, get in a congressional office, somebody who you respect, somebody whose uh, positions on the issues uh, align with yours. And, uh, and work on the Hill, understand how Capitol Hill works, the process, the legislative process, the, the politics associated with that, um, and, and, and learn up there. Uh, you really can't go to school for it. And it's one of those things you have to learn on the job. And from that experience, you know, if you, if you know Capitol Hill, um, from there, you can branch out to a issue advocacy organization, a trade association. And a company um, to work on those issues that you're passionate about, um, and uh, and that would that would be the best advice I could give somebody. And of course, uh, you know, pro tobacco stances are really popular right around now. Um, has has the pipe smoking or the helped you in in your lobbying at all? You know, not really. Um, I don't think it's helped necessarily, but it 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 is something that, um, you know, there are a lot of events around uh, political events uh, around different uh, different pastimes, uh, hobbies, things like that. Um, uh, cigars, there oftentimes are cigar related events uh, that take place. Um, I've gone to some of those with my pipe, um, which is always a, a good conversation starter. Um, and so, again, I don't know if it's helped, but it, it certainly I've met a few pipe smokers out here um, in D.C., uh, not as many as uh, I would would hope. But yeah. but in, there are there are those that are out here and uh, a lot of cigar smokers, certainly. All right. So part of this was uh, me opening up the uh, opening up the microphone and allowing the uh, allowing the guests to ask a couple of questions. So what have you got? Well, you know, Brian, one of the things that you talked a little bit about packing uh, style and method earlier. Um, one of the things that I'm always constantly trying to do is reevaluate uh, my packing method and uh particularly as it relates to different pipe sizes and different types of blends, uh, whether they be uh, coin cut, ribbon cut, flakes, those sorts of things. And it, I know most of your pipes are are of a similar size chamber wise, but yeah. um, 
how do you adjust your packing method, say, even given that you're you're smoking a chamber size that's nearly identical all the time? How do you change your your packing method based on uh, the type of cut, whether it be a ribbon, a, a flake, a, a shag cut, whatever it might be? So it's interesting because I've just in the past couple of weeks been really working on this because I you know, there's some flake tobaccos that I've got now that I really don't want to rub them out all the way. And sometimes if you rub them out too small or rub them out too hard, the pieces become really small and then they start coming up the draft hole. Uh, so I've been working on the uh, on the ribbons and I did it with the. Uh, with the flakes, I did it with the Savinelli Janus that I reviewed mm -hmm. and I really had to, you know, just lightly rub it out. So it was still kind of clumpy and still flaky, but I just had to remind myself not to pack it nearly as, as tight as I would my, my normal Acadian ribbon, because with the thickness of what I was putting in the bowl, it needed a lot of air around it in order to stay lit and keep burning and, and be able to be able to be tamped. Um, so I really had to modify that. So that's a lot lighter pack. And because it's a lighter pack, I have to slow down the smoking of it because otherwise you can get it really hot. But I got it smoking really well for me that way uh it was a little frustrating for me because the bowl wasn't smoking nearly as long as my normal ribbon cut like i'm smoking right now um i was getting maybe 20 percent less smoking time out of each bowl full uh so i was having to repack a pipe more often if that makes sense uh, yep and then the opposite was happening with the um uh, with the kringle flake and the kringle flake being more of a uh, a cake and less of a flake cut i had to be i had to get it rubbed out because otherwise it would just come into little chunks but i had to pack it a little tighter and still leave a little air at the bottom of the bowl so i would put the pipe cleaner in the pipe then pack it and had to be careful not to, you know, not to pack it too tight, but I could pack it, I could pack it tighter than I would the flake. Um, and then I had to smoke it and keep, you know, and keep carefully not tamping too far or too hard. Because if you tamp too hard, then it pushes it down and compacts it and makes it all a lot tighter. So does that make sense? Yep, uh, sure does. So you really have to, even though I was using the same basic size of pipes, you have to figure out and adjust for each different type of tobacco. And I guess the uh, the best explanation for for anybody who's a real wine snob is getting the right glass to accentuate the flavor of the different style of wine. Yeah. Uh, you you really have to work at figuring out what works best for you. And it may take you five, eight, 10 bowls before you really come upon it. But, um, uh, I, I even tried drying down the Savinelli Janus uh, dramatically and I got, <laughs> I got it too dry and I had to throw away about a half ounce of it. So, um, yeah, sometimes you screw up. Absolutely. So, even you, 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, nine, <laughs> listen, I'm I am really happy with nine out of ten bowls that I pack, and then there's the tenth one that reminds me to be humble. There you go. Uh, did that answer answer that question for you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Any uh, any other questions? Any other uh, comments or? Uh, last question. The only mm-hmm. other question I have is. I- be curious. I know you, you you've got your wheelhouse of uh, tobacco that you like, but what's the best bowl of tobacco you've ever had? Oh boy, a nineteen nineties, early nineteen nineties bowl of three nuns. Mm. Um, nice. Yeah, and it and that whole tin of tobacco just sang to me, and. I was so sad when it was gone. <laughs> and then every time I look at them coming up for sale, I look at it and go, nope, not going to do that. A... <laughs> All right, we've got just a few minutes left, so we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Ready. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe would be uh, uh, Billiard uh, by Michael Parks. And yeah, what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, I would say, even though I smoke Irish Flake probably more than everything else, I would say right now it's Night Owl by uh, it's an HU tobacco. Okay. And what is your favorite drink? Coffee. Yay. Uh, please say just black coffee. Just black. Okay. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? It's a great question. I, I enjoy all three, uh, but probably, you know, I, I listen to music all the time. I'm reading all the time, so uh, probably a movie. And probably not a movie about Washington, D.C. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, because they're <laughs> all true. Uh, yep. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yeah, that's that's a, that's always a hard one. I, you know, I think probably it would have to be at the Chicago show this past year. I guess last year, um, I do I do get a, a pipe from Michael Parks every year to celebrate a a milestone in my life, and um, I hadn't met him yet, and uh, he was able to deliver my my annual pipe uh, in person this year, and we lit it up. Was able to enjoy. it and visit with michael and spend some time talking to him so that was a pretty good one he is you you know you know how they always say you know be careful of meeting your heroes um oh yeah he's one that you don't have to worry about he's just he's just such a sweet guy he he really is one of the one of the nicest guys i've ever met and um a hell of a pipe maker for sure he's uh it's been great to get to know him over the years and it is fun for the pipe makers to actually get to see their get to see their works being smoked. So. Yeah, it was it was a it was it was nice. It was, it was a good time. Jason, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate it. You bet, Brian. It's been my pleasure. And we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. 
from sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, thank you to Jason. And you know what? Thank you to the, to the lobbyists that go out there and fight for stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe uh, pipe tobacco companies or uh, cigar companies that are looking for a lobbyist. And uh, Jason smokes. He might be um, he might be one beneficial. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying just just putting that out there for you. You know, just saying. All right. All right. For music. So I got this email from Ben, and it writes, uh, Journeyman pipe smoker Ben Black here. I've uh, been listening to your podcast for a few years now and really appreciate all the info, knowledge, and entertainment that comes from it. Uh, that's a perfect way to start off any email to me. You got me already. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I've been smoking pipes off and on since about 1998. Well, really first time in high school in 93, haha. Uh, finally getting it together and fully enjoying and regularly smoking pipes within the last four or five years. Uh, I have often wanted to write in with some feedback, but I'm not usually the type to do so. And often by the time I have time to, I've forgotten all about it anyway, as I listen usually on my way into work. Uh, my absolute favorite part of the show is the music segment. Who would have thought that some of the best and most varied music selections would come from a pipe smoking show? I love music of all kinds, and each week I look forward to hearing what new or old selection will set that day's music listening mood to. So now, on to me actually writing for the first time. I have a recommendation for music for you to check out. Uh, this song is both musically and lyrically interesting with a great... Uh, with a great social statement to be made that I feel you will both enjoy and agree with. I'm not a codger yet at 46 years old, but I'm getting there, and this song really hits the nail on the head for me. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did the first time I heard it. Uh, thanks again for all your work on the podcast. You and all your guests are appreciated. Uh, the song is Nobody Smokes Anymore by Robert Ellis from his album Texas Piano Man. Uh, so first of all, Ben, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for writing in. And let me also say thank you to all the people that listen to the show and don't write in, you know, because I know there's a lot of you and I do that same thing with a lot of podcasts that I listen to. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, here is the song. It's Nobody Smokes Anymore by Robert Ellis. Nobody smokes anymore. What do I do, man? I'm trying to find a lighter. Nobody smokes anymore. Everyone else seems to have it all together They say, buddy, you have to step out One more drag and I'm out Oh, such a drag, such a good thing had to end No one has fun anymore Everyone acts like they want to live forever and Nobody smokes anymore The last years of your life were so shitty Such a drag, such a good thing had to end. 
me, but I don't care. I'm gonna do it anyway. When did everybody get so self-aware? What happened to the good old days? I'll be the only one that looks good in pictures Cause nobody smokes anymore I guess I'll be the only one that has any fun Cause nobody smokes anymore Nobody smokes anymore Nobody smokes anymore Nobody smokes anymore Robert Ellis. Um, I enjoyed and you know, poke around on the internet. You'll find some of his other songs, and that one in particular is uh, great for us. I uh, I kind of felt the same way. You know, sometimes when you've got a great bowl going, and then it's you know you know it's coming to the end, and it's like oh damn. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Robert Ellis. Thank you very much to uh, Ben for sending that in. Well, let's see what's in the mail. And remember, if you have a mailbag comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can go onto the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine and post it right there. Uh, and uh, we got a bunch to get caught up on. So going back two weeks ago to uh, the show with Jacob on Dino Says, a uh, great basic list of Father's Day pipe books pipe book gifts. Uh, Jacob's travels and experiences were fascinating, and his pipe journey is, to me, less journeyman and more explorer, considering his on-again, off-again background. Uh, I'm impressed by his progress and his further explorations. His question about pipe shows got a nicely detailed and heartfelt answer. Uh, I'm a longtime fan of a Turby, who was a noted pipe smoker. Uh, the music you played was the Ritual Fire Dance by Manuel de Fala's Ballet El Amor Brujo. Uh, probably screwed up pronouncing several of that, some of that. But uh, anyway, uh, he says, good rant. I hope you had a very happy Father's Day, Dino. Thank you, Dino. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, great list of books for people to read for Father's Day. I really like Rick Newcomb's book, books on uh, pipe dreams. Fred Hanna's is very good also. Uh, like Dino said, Jacob is not a journeyman pipe smoker, but more of an explorer, if you will. A very pleasant fellow, and he asked you a very good question when it was his turn. Uh, well put and well answered. 
I was going to insert one of Sheldon Cooper's derisive comments regarding geologists, <laughs> but my uh, CRS is kicking in, so I won't. <laughs> yeah, I think he called them the dirt people. Uh, and then he says, figures that Dino recognized the music, but I didn't have a clue. Happy Father's Day to you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Renfield says, another great show from start to, to finish. Jacob was an interesting guest. Having seen a video years ago, the inside of a Mearsham mine, I can say that a Turkish mine is not a place where you're likely to ever find me. I'm not claustrophobic, but I do have an aversion to being buried alive. It does make me appreciate my mirrors even more. Yeah, I, I, I got to gotta definitely agree with you on that. And then uh, Bryant writes, uh, hi, Brian, thank you for your excellent suggestions in answers to my question about smoking cadence. As Dino said, sage advice indeed. Uh, your latest journeyman pipe smoker, Jacob, had a very interesting story. His pipe smoking evolution was fun to follow, and he was a great interview. Uh, Jose Turby was another good suggestion from Dan. His piano work was excellent and provided a very relaxing listening experience. Thank for, thanks for a great show and keep up the good work. Best regards, Bryant. And then uh, Mrs. Spike writes, uh, Brian, these journeyman shows are interesting to say the least. The picture of Jacob descending into the pit to mine Mearsham gives me the willies because I'm quite claustrophobic. Uh, that notwithstanding, he's an interesting guy, and uh, and Mrs. Spike and I enjoyed his uh, enjoyed his tale. Oh, sorry, this is from Spike. Sorry. Uh, and then uh, Spike goes on to say two additional comments: uh, the old Richard Carlton Hacker books, the Ultimate Pipe Book, volumes one and two, and Pipe Smoking in the Twentieth Century are also fine reading. Uh, the Sterling Virginia Pipe Club hosted Eric Stokeby last Wednesday for our monthly meeting. Great guy producing great new blends. If any listeners are in the Northern Virginia area, they are more than welcome to join us on the second Wednesday of each month. Uh, best to you and your family. Happy Father's Day and see you in Columbus, Spike, and your dear Mrs. Spike. See, that's why I thought it was for Mrs. Spike. So sorry, Spike. Sorry, Mr. Spike. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then going on to uh, last week's show. Uh, Dino writes a very succinct review of the shank, its shapes, length, and decorations. I'm sure this will be a boon to new pipe smokers. A lighthearted and fun yet interesting conversation with Kevin. He seems to have a good plan to expand his pipe making skills. Uh, London Grammar's cover of Wicked Game was just plain lovely. Yes, it's okay to be wrong. Good rant. Thanks for another always entertaining show, Dino. You're welcome. And Casey Ghost says, very nice review of the shank and what it does for a pipe. Shanks come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and can be adorned with just about anything under the sun, including bamboo, silver, gold, wood, or just about every variety of horn, plastic, and anything else you can think of. A really nice interview with Kevin. He was genuinely interesting to listen as an avowed, I ain't getting in anything that leaves the ground, I found his love of flying to be rather scary and his willingness to go on flights that last for several centuries mind-boggling. Uh, music was okay, I guess. <laughs> I agreed with the rant. Most folks just assume they're right in the total ignorance of Sturgeon's Law. Uh, we have this law professor who is part of our Saturday afternoon meeting of pipe smokers who has been telling us they're going to get a certain personage of note. <laughs> it's been over six and a half years and they're still working on it. 
incredible. <laughs> there you go. All right. And uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Arrow English says, great to hear about Kevin's story. It was especially enjoyable to hear how Carvers gave him input. I knew that these guys are masters, but I was still surprised how they could pick out exactly what Kevin did and where he might improve. Uh, but the best part of the episode was hearing about the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. From all things you mentioned, this sounds like the show to be at. Chicago sounds like a fun trade show, whereas this sounds more like a pipe summer camp. Uh, I know it'll be at least a few years until I get there, but this is at the top of my bucket list of things to attend. Thanks to you, Dave, and all the unnamed folks who are putting on a killer event to serve the community. Yeah, thanks to Dave for putting up with me. Uh, he deserves a medal. Uh, and then uh, Rich Ireland says, as always, entertaining I'm 61, but when I grow up, I want to be an international airline pilot and pipe maker or at least be able to ride shotgun so I can sip coffee on a Paris at a Parisian cafe and smoke my pipe and then be home the next day to finish that Lovato I've been working on. <laughs> uh, I like the cover version of Chris Isaac tune. Nice arrangement and the vocal was stunning. As for the rant, even at my age, I'm still wrong a lot. Just ask my wife. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, I think my wife is starting to think I'm right more often than not. Um, all right, anyway, uh, just reminder, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show get posted every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. They are there for eternity for you to listen to or as long as Kevin keeps hosting them. So thanks, Kevin. Uh, if you have comments or questions, you can email them or post them. Please keep sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show everywhere you can. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating or review. That is much appreciated. And in just a moment, rant time. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool-smoking corncob pipes, colonial-area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. Excuse me, Mr. Collins, but the show is starting. They, they need you on stage. Just one minute there, Charlie. I'm placing a bid for this great item on 10bids.com. Ever heard of them? Oh, sure. The Pipe Collector's Auction site. Well, I just sold some nice things on there myself. Say, you don't see much of that anymore. Yes, you sure don't, Charlie. But 10bids.com sure has it. They have vintage and luxury tobaccos, pipes... Accessories? You name it. Tom, baby, we need you on stage. Okay, Ed. Uh, Charlie, take over for me, would you please? You got it, boss. Visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up for free today. Hey, uh, Mr. Collins, you won! Let's talk about pipe dreams, shall we? 
are you ready? Let's talk about pipe dream. So the definition of pipe dream is an an unattainable or fanciful hope or plan. Uh, Or, and the origin is uh, the experience, uh, the, the, the history of it comes from the experience of smoking opium caused the user to hallucinate. At the time, these hallucinations were called opium dreams, opium pipe dreams, or pipe dreams. In the 1870s, the term pipe dream came into use to describe the hallucinations a person experienced while under the influence of opium. Well, I want to use it now as the hope and aspiration for the perfect smoke, or a wonderful smoke, a pairing of a perfect pipe and a bowl that allows you to concentrate or think about something or come up with a plan for something. And I want us to say, all right, we are following our pipe dream and someday we will reach our pipe dream because we'll keep trying and trying. It's not going to be associated with opium or an unobtainable dream. No, for those of us that smoke a pipe and enjoy a pipe, well, a pipe dream is something that we look forward to. And you know what? Sometimes when I'm sitting there smoking my pipe, it does take me off to places other, you know, and fanciful ideas come up. But I think we need to keep searching and reaching and trying to obtain our pipe dream and, uh, you know, just keep moving forward. Uh, In fact, you know, I keep I've I was uh, recently had a pair of uh, tennis shoes decorated with by an artist that they follow your pipe dreams. So there you go. It's not about opium anymore. For us, it's about pipes and pipe tobacco and finding the uh, finding the perfect smoke and the relaxing smoke and, you know, coming up with our dreams and uh, reaching towards them. All right. Okay. Thank you very much to uh, Jeff Grasick for joining me. Thank you to Jason for joining me. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. This is worse than an hour in the dentist's chair.